Welcome to the Relentless Growth Podcast, where business owners and personal growth junkies find powerful conversations, great questions, and coaching that will change your life. My name is Chris Goodman, and as a life and business coach with more than 15,000 hours of experience coaching and training business owners, I've learned a thing or two about growth. This podcast will open you up to new ideas and actions to help you live a happier life, build a greater business, truly become your best, and lead others in their pursuit of relentless growth. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Lindsay Goodman. Some of you may know her as Lindsay Mango. And today we're going to flip the table. Is that the saying? That's not the saying. Flip the script. <laughs> and Lindsay's going to interview me. I was like, yeah, flip the table. That's something I That's would say. Right, yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. We're going to flip the pizza box today. <laughs> Let's just make up random sayings the whole time. So what I wanted to sit down and talk about today and, and let in, Lindsay ask me questions about is something that just happened, what, three weeks ago now, I yeah. think? I went on a retreat with my coach, Dr. Keith Wagner, and some of his guys that he does business with, hangs out with. The retreat is called Undisputed Mastery. If you want to Google it, just type in Undisputed Mastery, or you can go to undisputedmastery.com, and we'll put a link in the show notes. The marketing that's on there doesn't really reflect how transformative, this is an opinion, I don't think it really reflects how transformative the event itself is. So I cannot reveal a lot about the retreat without ruining some surprises. What I can say is it's a men's retreat. The one I went to was in Wichita Falls, Texas, and we had about 30 participants. And I'm choosing my words carefully here. (laughs) You mix the physical aspect of boxing and the personal growth aspect of coaching to dig into what's holding you back what is sabotaging your success as a man or in business or both. And you become brothers with the guys who are there through all kinds of exercises. And I'll say this, and I totally mean it. This was the most transformative event I've ever put myself through. And I used to lead retreats that were twice as long as this or almost twice as long as this. And I thought those were good. This was like injecting a hundred of those into my veins. (laughs) So I wanted to get on and share some of the lessons from that retreat. Again, I'll have to be light on the details because I don't want to spoil anything for any of the men that hear this and end up going on the retreat. So bear with me if I get a little vague sometimes. But I wanted to share some of the big lessons that I came away with because it really did change my life. You have anything to add to that? No, I'm really just here to ask questions because I think sometimes it's easier to talk about an experience when someone's interviewing you or asking questions. So, no. Okay, cool. And let's get started. What's your first question? (laughs) Well, I think my first question is you didn't really know what you were signing up for. Like you said, there was a little bit of mystery around it. And yet, If I know my husband well, he likes to know what's happening, what he's going for, and all of these things. And it was really interesting to me to watch you like make this decision and like, I'm going on this retreat to Wichita Falls, Texas. I don't even know what we're really doing there. And, but yeah, I'm just going. And so I think it'd be interesting for you to share 
how you ended up there when <laughs> you didn't really know what you were going <laughs> for or what was happening. Because I think there's a lot of growth in that in itself. <laughs> this, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I, I like to be prepared, you could say. And I mean, the whole time on the retreat, I found myself going, I just wish I knew what we were going to do next so that I could X, Y, or Z. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with eating. I realized how much I like to know what we're going to do so I know how much to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> random, but that's not one of the profound things I walked away with. The reason I went is because I trust Keith, Dr. Wagner, who I mentioned earlier. We've been coaching together for years, and I know his heart. I know how much he cares about everyone in his orbit. And I trusted he would put together some incredible and dangerous men to learn from. So it was an easy decision based on that. The other part that worked out for the past two years, I've been invited and couldn't go because of logistics, like the, just the timing. We were doing something, traveling, something was going on. And this year it actually worked. So those two things were the main reasons. Like, it's a no brainer. On top of that, I was at a point where I wanted to make a major shift. I felt like I plateaued in pretty much every area of my life in the past few months. And this was a great excuse to go break through all that. I love that. So what came up when you thought about going and you didn't have all of the information? Because I remember asking you before you left, I was like, okay, so like what's happening? And you're like, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So what shift did you make by just deciding to go to something and go all in on it without all the information? Well, you're probably going to hear me use this word a lot in this podcast, the word dangerous. Some of the men that we learned from are the guys that teach the most effective operators, whether they're military or beyond military operators in the world. I think I can say this, that they, you know, some of these guys work with Navy SEALs. So when you think about who's got to be enough of a badass to teach the top like 0.0001% of badasses in the entire U.S. Army. It's these guys. And so they have a saying, or they have this theme about being dangerous because it sums up being effective, being adaptable. And it could be not necessarily violence, but I mean, it could be, but it could also be being dangerous in business. One of the guys that I'm going to interview on the show here, his name is Mitch Kamage, and he's got this incredible coaching business. And all these guys with him are walking around with their t-shirts that says savage in business. <laughs> and I love that, right? It's like, be just as dangerous in business as you would be anywhere else. So you'll hear me use that word a lot. But part of the reason I was willing to just kind of put myself on the line and say, I trust you to take me through this is these guys have all walked this talk. They have put themselves through the ringer physically, emotionally, in business, in their relationships. So I could feel safe, even not knowing what we were going to do. I knew I could trust them. And that's what I'm learning too, is we did this at a really high level when we started dating, very quickly trusting each other with a lot. I don't know if we've ever told this story, but when we had only been dating probably three months I got an invitation, basically a job offer in Houston, Texas. And at the time, we were in the Louisville, Kentucky area. So this would have meant I would have had to move to Houston. As I was figuring out whether I wanted to take this, this opportunity, like we had to sit down and have this conversation. Like, if I take this job, will you move with me? Mm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. What do you recall about that? Because no, I remember that exact thing. And I remember there being no question, actually. Yeah, that was the coolest part is that we sat at the kitchen table in my old house 
And I told you what was going on, and I said, would you be willing to go with me? And you maybe took four seconds, and you said, yeah, I would. And I remembered in my head being like, play it cool, man. Don't flip <laughs> out. Like, <laughs> But so part of the thing I wanted to explore there was like putting myself on the line and like putting myself in dangerous situations because dangerous men do dangerous things. That's the saying. And that could be in any area of your life. Okay. I think I explained that enough. So you wanted to do that because you just wanted to stretch yourself essentially. Like that's. Yeah. I found a new way to get uncomfortable. And I, I don't think we grow when we stay comfortable and we stay right. And this was a great way for me to get uncomfortable and be wrong about a lot of things. And I think that's actually, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, what you mean when you use the word dangerous. Because when you initially use that in my mind, when I think of the word dangerous, I think like fighting and, but I think what you're saying, and I was going to ask you this, but when you use the word dangerous, what you mean is like they're willing to do uncomfortable things, right? To be dangerous in the world, to be powerful, to create what they want. Is that what you mean when you say the word dangerous? All of the above, really. Here's a good way to sum that up. If you think about, I'll go back to like Texas Rangers or Navy SEALs. And if you think about how tough these guys have to be to, to get what they need done in the world, you know, to be able to swoop in on a ship somewhere, take out the bad guys and rescue maybe women and children, they have to turn that on a dime, right? They have to be this warrior and then also this, you know, kind and loving person in a millisecond, like to transition. That's a different type of dangerous. So if you think about these guys hanging out when they leave each other's company, they wouldn't say something like, see you later, have a good time, like, love you, bye. (laughs) You know, they're like, go be dangerous, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, I suppose it's more of a perspective of whatever you're going to do, be capable, be effective, and make sure you're doing it well. Hmm. Is that better? Yeah, that's a great way to explain it. I love it. Okay, so what did you have to suspend? Like, what growth happened by just choosing to go? Well, you know, you were the D1 athlete. I was not an athlete. So the boxing aspect was new to me and the endurance that it took to do some of these things. And don't get me wrong. It's not like they're putting you in a ring with Mike Tyson and saying, we're going to see what you got. <laughs> you know, like it's not that like would that. would literally be dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, for, for everybody there. So what you are doing, though, is, is exploring your own limits and exploring your own excuses that you would give. So this was one that I didn't expect, but I had to learn this lesson. The best way I can sum it up is it's okay to be a white belt. You know, we're training in a martial arts studio, so there's a lot of references to martial arts and becoming more capable through that study and through that process, which you can't walk in and be a black belt, you know, which if anybody listening doesn't know what that means, that's the top, the most, um, how would you say that? The... The highest regarded, the, yeah, most, the, highest the level. most dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the highest level of effectiveness in that particular art that you're studying. like Black belt is. Yes, correct. So the white belt is the opposite. It represents being new, being open, and important here, being willing to learn. You're like a blank canvas, right? So I came in without really any boxing experience. And my partner that I got put together with for the sparring aspect was a paratrooper in the army and had eight years of Krav Maga. (laughs) And so he was kind of a badass. And he took to a lot of these things pretty quickly and hit harder than I did. 
So I had to deal with my own mind going, you should be able to keep up. You should be able to do this the first time. You should, you know, the instructor just taught you this. You should have mastered it by now when I had never even executed that move one time. And I had to keep coming back to this throughout the the three days we were there that, dude, it is okay to be a beginner. It is okay to start fresh. It is okay to be open to new experiences here and not have mastered it just yet. And it made me come face to face with my perfectionism and also help me appreciate that you can compound interest over and over and over with every rep you get. So yeah, the, the best way I can say that is if you're struggling with something and you know it's time to take on something new, you might have to tell yourself it's okay to be a white belt. Well, and I also think if I can just add my two cents about that and what you've shared with me since going, I think at every level you have to be willing to be a white belt. I think so often when you reach a certain level of success or a certain results, I think sometimes we think we're done being white belts. I know I think Mm -hmm. that sometimes in my life and my business And the resistance to that is what keeps you from the growth. Like the best of the best, the most successful people in the world are always willing to be a white belt because they have to learn something new and try something new. And I think it's just a testament for you being willing to go to this was, I think even just the initial decision was you being willing to be uncomfortable and do something you never did and helped you realize that point. And then you learned more when you went. That's right. Because if you had told me, there's a personal growth retreat. It's three days with 30 guys and you're going to dig in and do some heavy lifting in your mind. I'd be all in. It was the boxing aspect and the unknown aspects. I'm friends with Keith. I've coached with him for years. And when I would press him about what else are we going to be doing? (laughs) He would just say, man stuff. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was a good time. (laughs) And I think you're a testament to your growth is often just the opposite thing that you want to do, right? It's like the uncomfortable thing. So I love it. Okay. So what else were some really big takeaways from going? Well, I think I kind of alluded to this earlier that it's kind of tied into the white belt thing, but that mastery is built through repetition and getting lots and lots of reps. And and most of y'all listening have probably heard the 10,000 hour or 10,000 repetition rule in Malcolm Gladwell's work. Where once you do something, you know, close to 10,000 times, you're practically an expert at that particular move, assuming you've executed it properly the previous 10,000 times. So that was just something I had kind of forgotten because I tend to be a very quick learner. I tend to latch onto something that I want to pick up very quickly and move on, right? And some of the exercises are very humbling to you in any kind of way. Like I have to move on from that so I don't spoil anything. But every guy who goes experiences this in his own mind and with his own challenges. And this was just one of mine, my impatience to get the reps, my impatience to slow down and learn the exact maneuver carefully, purposefully, and repeat that, not even at speed, but repeat it the right way and then start increasing speed. And I, when they asked me, like, how does this apply to the rest of your life and your business? And for everybody I've coached, yes, I put myself in that position. (laughs) And I would ask you all the same thing. Where else does this show up in your life and business? It does. It shows up in my life and business because I get impatient with my business results. I get impatient with not being able to coach somebody to their outcome in four minutes instead of 40. And this was a great way for me to meet that head on and deal with it in a totally different way. 
in a more effective way. Have you seen changes since coming back with that perspective? Well, I kind of feel like the mask that I had on with that was pulled off. And now I have like a fresh, clean, like I can actually see it. Whereas before I was just kind of swirling in that story or, or living behind that mask. And now I'm like, okay, I can see today I got on the Peloton and I don't ride the Peloton, you know, so I got on it and I was frustrated within 10 seconds because I didn't know where everything I wanted to find was on it. <laughs> and I'm like, in my mind, there is no reason or, or there's no real reason I should know where these apps or, you know, where the ride I wanted to find was because I don't use this thing. But in my head, there's some accelerator, some gas pedal that I push down. that's like, you should know this by now. <laughs> so I see it popping up and I just laugh at it. And I'm like, that's silly. And we just move on. Whereas before I would have like been in that storm for a while. So good. I love it. Okay. So what else do you want to share? I mean, I can talk about how you came back and you seemed like you let go of 5 million pounds and were a different person. And, but I think the gold is in you sharing how that happened. Yeah. Well, I'll have to put it this way that I discovered being vulnerable is a million times, I'm not exaggerating, a million times more inspiring than like pretending to have it all together or just being quiet because you don't think what you have to share actually matters. And I'm still learning this. I'm still processing this lesson, but we got to watch some of the guys who work with Operation Rescue Children. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you've listened to the show for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. But Operation Rescue Children is the 501c3, the charitable organization that Dr. Keith Wagner and Tuhan Harley Elmore created to help end human trafficking and victims of slavery around the world, particularly children who have no advocate, who have no voice, who have no way to be dangerous themselves. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can explore that while you listen to the show. But we got to see a demonstration of sorts from some of the guys who are on the team for Operation Rescue Children. These are guys I would never mess with in a million years, <laughs> right? These are real dangerous motherfuckers. And after watching what they do in real life to save women and children from real life slavery, from real life chains, like being chained up in a shed somewhere or in a basement somewhere, watching these guys put themselves in real harm's way, like where they could be killed and then come out on the other side, you know, and have to deal with the leftovers of that. Can you imagine? It broke my heart and it really shook me. And there wasn't a dry eye out of the men we had there. There wasn't a dry eye there because everybody could relate to these guys are out here doing it. They're not talking about it and, and then not putting their, their money or their bodies where their mouth is. They're doing it in real life. And it's, it's real. I'm getting twisted up in my words because it, it still shakes me. Thinking about, you know, our daughter is going to turn one here in a couple of weeks and thinking about how we would feel if something happened to her. And then also thinking about how we would feel if the good guys went and got her back. It just broke my heart and it, it made it real, real fast. And I got super vulnerable about it and I was sitting there crying <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because I'm like, that's, that's not me. You rarely see that with me. But I immediately went back and donated $1,000 to their organization because I was like, we have to do something. This has to stop. And this is what I can do right now. And I came back and I, I challenged the guys to join with me. And it didn't really stick at first. And the next day, I doubled down on it because I was like, I know that they care. And I just didn't use the right words 
to show them that. So I asked Keith if, if we could, if I could have another bite of the apple. I said, look, this isn't about me. This is about, I'm going to be real vulnerable and I'm going to tell them what I think about this, but I'm going to use that because I think, I think it's in their hearts and they just haven't been willing to look at it. And so we took 10 minutes and talked about how we had all become more dangerous. We had all broken chains in our own minds. We had all set ourselves free in all kinds of ways. And we could only do that because the men who were there were willing to take a stand for us. And we owed it to ourselves, our families, the causes that we care about to stand up as men and take that initiative for those women and children. And a guy named Gio helped me out and he got them fired up and we raised $40,000 in an hour for the organization. Wow. And, you know, a lot of people might hear that and be like, they might have all kinds of thoughts. But for me, it was, I put my fucking heart on the line. And if we didn't raise any money, that would have been okay too, because it would have been like, I did everything I could for that cause that I care about. And I could go to bed happy with that. Look at what we did, right? In one hour with like 35 or 45 guys. I mean, it's almost $1,000 a person. So it just made me realize, okay, we have to get vulnerable to actually reach the parts of people's hearts that make them take action now. What part of that was vulnerable for you? Okay, I guess I didn't really say that. You know, I got up and I told him, I said, this, this is so close to my heart because I have a daughter now. The first time I interviewed Dr. Keith and, and, and Harley on the show, and they talked about the organization, Operation Rescue Children, and we donated $1,000 back then too because I, I cared, but this made it so real. And, and I shared with them just how like heartbreaking it was to me as a father now to think that there are people going through that. There are kids going through that in real life, and we had to do something to stop it. So I think what you're saying first is that you had to be vulnerable and willing to like even let that get into your, like feel that, you yeah. know, instead of shield yourself from it. Yeah. And then you had to be vulnerable enough to be willing to do something about it. How has that impacted you now? Well, I'm over here sweating because I'm, <laughs> because I'm still like, oh man, we just have to do so much to help them out. I think it helped me access something totally new just a different threshold of emotion and, and how to channel that in a good way and how to use, you know, the thing I care about the most in this world to bring that back out into other things in a good way. You can tell how much I'm getting like twisted. Like so my language is all over the place. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Cause you're feeling vulnerable right now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 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 how can the people listening use this lesson in their life? I mean, think about when we connect to someone or something the most. Carl Jung, the you know groundbreaking psychologist, said that that which is most human is most universal. And when you talk about suffering or even the opposite, absolute joy, like you know, how many people reached out to us when when we had Eva, and they were like, "It's the greatest thing on earth," right? Like pure joy, right? Few things can bring people together like the the ultimate expressions of humanity, like joy and suffering. So my encouragement there for anyone listening would be to explore where your armor is too thick, where you're not willing to be vulnerable, and what life might look like if you explored that and opened it up a little bit and let some people in. So is there any last things that you want to share about this experience or like if you can, 
you know, say one or two things about what you want people to take from this episode, what would you share with them? There's so much I want to say. I'll see if I can consolidate it. If you are truly committed to growing, you must explore what's uncomfortable because there's so much growth hiding there. And it's not accessible without pushing yourself to, not necessarily like the Dave Goggins, Goggins? Goggins? The retired Navy SEAL. Not to that level, to where your toes are practically falling off because you're running so much. You don't necessarily have to go to that extreme. At least start exploring the places where you don't want to get uncomfortable because there's a lot hiding there. And then also put yourself in the room. Doesn't necessarily have to be a room of of guys who are, you know, shadow boxing and, you know, doing all the things that we did. And you don't have to be a Navy SEAL. I know I've talked about that a lot. Put yourself in the room where someone cares about you enough to challenge you, to push you, to pull you when you don't want to go and see what happens when you let somebody else lift you up. Because my experience here was you you create a, a band of brothers that's for life. I love it. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Yes, I do want to encourage everybody to click. You can go to the show notes and click on Operation Rescue Children. Look, you don't have to donate with dollars. This was one of the other big lessons I was reminded of while I was there. You can use so many forms of currency to be dangerous. Connections to people, to resources, to things like grants, even time, right? Volunteering time just on something as simple as putting together mailers or whatever. When I said resources, that could be anything. That could be printing supplies. That could be ammunition for the guys in the field. That could be clothing or discount, like coupons to things that people who are doing this work need, donating airline miles. So my challenge to you is to, if you truly care and you're truly willing to get vulnerable, consider what resources you might have and give what you can doesn't have to be a thousand bucks. Doesn't have to be one guy. I'm pretty sure one guy gave $20,000 just himself. Doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. So expand what currencies you're operating in and go to Operation Rescue Children and help these guys out at a bare fucking minimum. Get the word out. Just put it on your social media and, and help us help these guys. They are truly the toughest and finest men I've ever been around. And where can someone go if they want to be stretched in uncomfortable ways and work with you? Well, thanks for that, baby. (laughs) Yeah, go to goodmancoachinginc.com, goodmancoachinginc.com. And we can work together one-on-one in a small group or a couple of other ways. So my encouragement is to slow everything down for a second and take something from this episode and run with it right now. Because the window for your action is going to close about as fast as you close this app. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Relentless Growth. If you're ready to improve your own life and business with passion, purpose, and relentless growth, go to Goodman Coaching Inc. Dot com where you can learn more and sign up for coaching right now.